My name is Noah Gregory, and this week on Half Past Zero, I am joined by my fellow Playglow Productions member and co-founder. He's also the primary actor in most of our projects and does graphic design work for us, Mr. Stefan Gramling. Hey, man. You know, buddy, you know me, all right? I enjoy hearing stories from people. I enjoy getting to know people. That's what a lot of this show is about, you know? It's about creativity and the creative process. Uh, the creative processes that different people have specifically. But at its core, it's a podcast about other people's stories. So while I already know a lot about you myself, you know, having been your friend for so long, could you mm. tell those listening at home a little bit about yourself? I do, do uh, a lot of the acting, if I'd say about like, I don't know, 80% of the acting within Playglow. Um, I tend to do some of the art. Uh, and some graphic design work. Uh, I've helped write uh, storyboard. I play. I I, I play music. Uh, I just do art. I'm going to school for art. I'd like to get into more series acting and hopefully uh, semi modeling. I'd like to jump that bull again. I forgot uh, about that. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so Stefan, our play glow journey. You know, it began back in February of 2017. We actually just recently passed the four-year anniversary, which is crazy to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've obviously had some pretty crazy adventures with that part of our lives. But <laughs> what's the earliest project that you remember us working <clears throat> together on prior to Playglow? Prior to Playglow? Not before we actually had the name down and everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, get, I think the only thing I can actually think of was whenever me, you, and Austin would just record or attempt to record Anima numerous <laughs> For hours at a time, for numerous days, up to weeks, and then we wouldn't use a single second of footage. Oh, good times! It's funny you mentioned Anima because I talked I talked a lot about Anima last week. I I recorded a, the first episode of this podcast, and I kind of listed off my story and and all the things that led me up to where I am now. And Anima mm. was a a major <clears throat> note in that in that story. So you know, I know that Austin and I for sure. We're really passionate about making the project work, not just function, but to like actually work, you know, to do something really cool with it. And I remember us talking a lot and you were involved in these conversations as well, because you were with us every day, like you just said, mm -hmm. about wanting our peers, you know, like the people we went to school with to see our work in a way that they would respect. That was the word we always used. We wanted them to respect what we did. You know, we didn't just want to make silly internet videos. We wanted to kind of tell stories. And that, as I mentioned last week, is inevitably what killed that project, I think. We didn't have the resources, obviously. Uh, as you might remember, like every time a car would drive by when we were shooting a scene, we would have to cut, reset, and start right. all over. And like it was every take, there'd be a car or some small noise in the background that you think when you think <laughs> yeah. up, but we had such a bad camera that It'd it like sounded louder. Yeah, it was like crowd dusters. It was louder than us. And we were like up next to the camera. So, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the resources or really the talent at the time in front of or behind the camera to, to make it work that way. What were your thoughts on Anima at the time? And, you know, now that I've kind of got you thinking about it, how have those feelings changed over time? I, I remember liking the filming and recording everything, but I don't know if I had the exact same passion uh, for where it was going. Um, I mean, you said you mentioned that, like, we all talked about like wanting the respect. I I can't. I have awful memories, so like I can't remember being a, a huge involvement in those conversations. But I remember liking the 
the concept and the idea of actually making something that could be good and viewed as good, especially with Anima. I remember, I don't remember a lot, a lot of the premise now, but I remember at the time and as it eventually evolved with us and time, it, it, it really turned into something that I could see becoming an actual thing. Um, obviously, the biggest thing that really struck me was that like, oh, we don't, we don't have the resources or really any sort of a budget to go off of. So like at that time, I didn't see a foreseeable future for something like Anima, but uh, with how we've constantly grown with it and how we just improved our talents over time, I could definitely see something coming out of it. I'd still like to see something like that. Yeah, I've always wanted to kind of revisit on them. And like we've tried over the years. And I think the last attempt we did to make it work actually kind of played out well. Uh, I ended up taking down that video just because I wanted to use it for the clips we shot for that for something else, which is up on the channel. It was, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's We Don't Talk Anymore. It was that short film. Yeah. I liked I liked the cinematography in that. I still think that's some of the best I've done, which is, you know, a was little the demeaning. One the feel? Yeah, yeah. And like the lighting was gorgeous the best lighting i've ever done and it was absolutely unintentional there's <laughs> no way i meant to do that but yeah like you said uh it we've gotten a lot better over the years like we definitely could have made it work i think at least we would have could have got closer to making it work now but i remember like you said like we changed so much about the story in that one summer we worked on it i remember mm-hmm. one iteration i don't remember how the story played out now but I remember one of the the rewrites we did for like the whole series was really good. And like, I like even thinking back on it now and remembering like key aspects of that draft, I, I think to myself, like, how did I come up with that? Like, I can't come up with anything <laughs> oh half as good anymore as stuff like yeah. that. I, I, I've felt the same way. I look, because like, I don't write a whole lot. I, yeah. I try to get into writing and like storytelling and like, because like, I'm going into animation and I want to do that. But like, only recently have I come across what could what could be a writer's block and like I'll look back at my old stuff and I'm like oh my god I really like these concepts I don't remember coming up with these concepts and I sure I certainly can't now (laughs) I do remember me you and Austin we I remember we had I think it was either me you and Austin or me you and Hayden we had a really good sit down session we had we well we had a lot of them but I remember one in particular we had one for like some kind of dystopian future thing and like half of the population went somewhere else because of a something it was some something big bright light or something infinity and like, war stole our our concept <laughs> yeah and i remember like the concepts that we came with it were so cool oh god i remember they're like because it was such a like a big bright flashing light in the sky uh survivors like the world was in distraught like the survive some survivors were blind because they looked at the light and they were like there was we had we came up with like a whole currency and like economical system for it oh my god yeah i, I remember that we literally that was i think that was last year even because that was uh last year that was for the asu tv show i was gonna do vessels was it really and, yeah we we came to my house it was it was me you hayden and colton was there because colton and i talked about this I think it was last week we talked Colton wants to sit down and have another one of those. Cause like, like you said, like we literally developed an entire world in an entire night and like, it was exhausting, but it was, it was fun. And that was it like, was, 
like I like you said, I like have a lot of trouble with writer's block. And I've had that recently too, with because you know, I have a lot of projects that I have to get done by like May. So mm. like I guess maybe the pressure adds on to that. But I don't know. I just haven't been able to write the same as I was, especially with Anima. Or like you said, that that writing night where we all just came together and developed yeah. a world. But yeah, uh, the plague or the Anima era, uh, that's that's where a lot of my best ideas came out of, I think. And like, while mm. we got resources, the further along we went, I, I never felt like I had as many good ideas to like do more serious stuff. We're getting kind mm. of back into that now, now mm -hmm. that it was our more serious stuff that kind of brought us what success that we have right now. But yeah, Anima is as awful as the long days were. Cause like, not only were the days long, like you said, but we filmed in like warehouses with no air conditioning. Yeah. Literally miserable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like as fun as that was, I think some of the worst days of my life took place over that summer just because of how unbearably hot and just miserable I was. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one thing that's really neat is like at the time, you know, a lot of the concepts were like, I mean, I guess it's OK, but we'll we'll trash and we trashed a lot of stuff. But like now we have that benefit of hindsight to like look back and like, God, that wasn't bad. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, like I, I my biggest regret, I think, of my entire life is I deleted like probably three fourths of all the Anima footage we ever filmed. I still have some of it. I have the very first day we shot for sure. And I think I have some more after that, but like, I don't know why or what came over me to inspire me and motivate me to delete all that footage. <laughs> I undoubtedly could have used some of that. Oh yeah. I think the I cinematography doesn't quite live up to what we can do now. Cause like, I didn't know much about cameras back. I still don't know much about cameras today, but like, mm -hmm. I know I understand at least how to make it look good, like from my yeah. own techniques. And like, that was probably the biggest problem with Anima is that it was just like, a bunch of static and boring shots because we had mm -hmm. it was mainly just us three it was me you and austin occasionally Luis would be there occasionally brielle would be there but it mm -hmm. was us three and all of us were in like we were actors in it as well so we didn't have a crew like we were we were literally just running and gunning the entire time yeah. uh do you have any stories from the anima era that you remember specifically like i said any... i talked about last week but i didn't really get too deep into the day-to-day -day stuff so i was I was kind of wondering if you had any experiences that you remembered and look back on. I remember one mm -hmm. that I have that's just really funny <laughs> still to this day. We went and shot at the community center in Pigott. And we went back, we, we asked permission and they gave us permission to go back and use one of those, those back rooms. And we were really excited to use it because, you know, it was finally a quiet environment and we got oh, so yeah. much done. We got probably one of the best scenes done. And at the very end, a worker who just took over someone else's shift comes back there, yells at us because we're not supposed to be back there. She apparently didn't know that we like had permission and was like, you guys need to leave. And so like, I was mad. So I like packed up all my stuff and just walked out. But Austin <laughs> stayed back and was like, you know, the logical and calm thing to do. And he was like, oh yeah, we, we had permission to be back there. See, we're signed in right there. And he like, showed proof that we've like had to, to be there and i was sitting in his car being all you know mopey and awesome. you both came out and were like hey uh we can use it and i was like just take me home i don't want to do it just take me home <laughs> oh my god i forgot about the community center one yeah that we oh my god that was a that was a good day that was the, the only one that would have worked the only like 
real memory that I can recall. And the only reason I can do it is because we still have it on video. It, it was literally just me jumping in Austin's car and smacking my head at the top of his car and it hurting for like an hour. I'm so glad I have that video. I've been, I think I <laughs> did I use that in postmortem dialogue? I used it in I one of the so. videos we did. It was I think it was one of the like flashback ones. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was postmortem, which we'll talk about here in a second, but I love that clip. It's so funny. I remember it was really funny at the time and I think it's only gotten funnier the older I've got. <laughs> All right, so moving on into the Playglow era. What's the earliest Playglow experience that you remember having? This is going to be a rough one, but it was whenever me, well, this wouldn't, I guess this wouldn't really be that early. So this was pretty late into it. One of the most vivid ones I can remember was whenever we were at the office and I think it was me, Brayden and Riker. We went off a little, like a couple feet away down the street into like that gravel path. And we just re- started randomly recording. And like me and Riker were like illegally climbing up that building and then like looking at, at the overview of the city. And then as we were coming back to the office from the little gravel patch, we saw a couch and we were like, whoa, sick, dude. So we picked up the couch and we took it to the office and everyone there was like, this smells and looks disgusting. Take it out. And then we, tr- we did, but we tried to put it in your truck. And then you like, you started to, to drive off because you didn't want a disgusting couch in the back of your truck. Like that memory was funny enough, but the, the best part for me was that like years, a couple of years later, uh me and mom were moving and we donated some stuff to the um that charity house on like gravel patch yeah and as me and mom pulled up to it i was like this is a charity home and she and her friend like yeah this is just bring stuff here and donate it like just literally people just bring stuff all the time and that memory of me and brayden and Riker picking up a couch from in front of a building (laughs) and taking it just flashed in front of me and like oh Oh my God, we we stole from a charity home. We accidentally stole from a charity home. To clarify, we returned the couch, but yeah, yeah. that was. <laughs> I remember I was so mad. Not only did you guys bring a couch, but you brought it on the day that like everybody that had ever been in Playglow or ever was gonna be in Playglow was at the office, so it was already like jam packed. And yeah. then you guys walk in. We hear this loud noise in the lobby. I open the door to see what's going on, and you guys have half a couch through the through the door and i'm like where'd you guys get the couch and you you i can't remember which one of you said it but you did it really excitedly you're like it was just on the side of the road and i was like why is it here we already have a couch and you guys tried to justify it for so long and like brett got down and like sniffed it like he sniffed one of the cushions and i was like this smells disgusting it wasn't how long has it been sitting there and you guys were like i don't know but it's a couch and i remember i was just like just walk it back. And then I like, I turned around for, I swear it was like two seconds. And when I turned back around, you guys were sticking it in the back of my truck and I was trying to pull it out and everything. And Brett came out, like held me back so that I couldn't stop him. And then I had to drive it back. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. I have that entire experience on video. I watched it a few months ago. I hated that, but it was so, it's so (laughs) funny now, but at the time I was so mad. (laughs) I need to watch it again. Oh, for God. So uh, that was your the earliest experience with Playglow that you remember, which is kind of weird because that was like year two of Playglow. The office mm-hmm. we got in, in 2018, which was a year after, just was a little under a year. Yeah. Oh, it wow. Was. Uh, and uh, 
we started play glow in 2017. It was just Hayden and I, uh, I think my earliest experience I remember was just Hayden and I Hayden bugged me about, about play glow for probably like two months. But after the Anima thing, I was kind of burnt out of, you know, video content creation and none of my ideas ever working. So I was, instead of, you know, trying to get better, I was just mopey. And was like, ah, I don't, I'd rather just not do anything. But hmm. Hayden eventually kind of coaxed me into helping him and Riker with their channel, which was generally geeky at the time. I fact-checked myself from last week. I couldn't, I don't think I could remember what the name was, but it was generally geeky. And originally they just wanted me to come in and like, kind of give them video ideas and be like the camera guy, I guess, maybe show them how to edit. But I think Riker knew how to edit at the time. And so I was helping with that. And the the first like real experience I remember was Hayden and I spent a few hours in my apartment and we were trying to figure out kind of some content ideas that we wanted to move forward with. And we that's the night that we wrote Desolation, which is still something that we can't, for some reason we can't film. It's not that <laughs> difficult. I just don't, I don't know what it is about it. We, I don't remember like, what Desolation was. It was, it's like this, this psychological horror thing, which I mean, it, at the time when we came up with it, it wasn't achievable. But even then we were like, we know this isn't achievable now, but we can like grow into it. And I feel like we've grown into it. We did. I just, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know what's holding us back from doing it now. I think we're going to try to film it this year, but that's my earliest experience. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on play glow? Did you think we would make it this far? I guess. Did you have any goals that you hoped you'd achieve through it? I guess just personal goals. I'd hope to improve my acting. And uh, I did a little bit. I'm not like a phenomenal actor. I take, I took like two acting classes during like my modeling era. And like, that was it. Cause like, I didn't want to pay for a whole thing, but uh, I, at f- first doing play well, I don't, I can't really say I saw it going super far. I thought, I thought it would be like a fad, but then like, as we kept doing it, I like grew more attached to it. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty fun. I really like doing this. And uh, I just, I, I, instead of me thinking like, oh yeah, this, this might go with somewhere. I, I was like, oh, I really hope this grows into something more. And it, and it did. It, it did in a way. Yeah. And we're still growing, you know, mm-hmm. still room for growth. A million oh, views yeah. though. Like it's nothing to scoff at, you know? So uh, you along with Hayden and I have been the longest lasting member of the team. I don't know if you realize that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we always joke about chapters ending and beginning with play glow, but really that is kind of what it's like every year. There's a new shift. It seems whether that be a new team or a new tone that we're going for with our content, uh, I'd say especially pretty early on with the early shifts in our early teams that we were getting into dangerous territory with Plague meaning like there were times that if we'd made certain rash decisions that we almost did, I'm not entirely confident that we would still have a brand to continue building today. Uh, was there any moment where you thought, okay, Plague didn't done, it's over. You know, there's nothing going on here. There's nothing more we can do. Did you ever think that we were kind of at a dead end there was a long period of time where like I didn't talk to a lot of the group and I said, I just kind of separated from myself. And uh, I was like, well, uh, more than likely it's done. But like for that period of time, uh, yeah, I, I was personally like thinking, yeah, this is, this is probably, this is probably where it's, where it's just done. I don't remember how I got back in the, in with Playglow and like the group, 
But I think I remember it was it was after our falling out after we graduated high school for you know personal reasons within the group, and uh, I think I just one day when I was at school like ASU, I I think I just messaged you and was like, "Hey, are you still mad at me?" And you were like, "Nah." I was like, "All right, you want to do play glow stuff this weekend?" And you were like, <laughs> "Yeah, sure." I think it was oh. literally just an, as anticlimactic as that. Oh, it actually more than likely was. Kind of a yeah. reverse to that last question. And you can't say it's when we got a million views because that's an easy answer. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment where you realized that this could be something that actually works? Like that there was some form of tangible success on the horizon outside of just achieving a million views and kind of gaining that following? Yeah, it was more so whenever we... It was definitely like in our earlier days of Playlo whenever we were just filming random like skit sketches and stuff like that. Like they weren't really good, but they were they were funny. And I remember thinking like, yeah, these could do something. And then like I also remember uh I think it was around the same time period. We were like reaching out with other creators and we got more into contact with them. And like I saw a huge potential to really like be more into that kind of industry and like talk more with people who are higher up than us and uh i think weirdly enough i think a really important turn was whenever we got in contact with firework and like mm. they wanted to give us that kind of deal and like that was when i was like okay like fireworks new and they're like not it's nothing to really like blow smut about but yeah i remember thinking like oh wow the brand wants to reach out with us because we're we create content that's so whack i was also going to say firework Cause I think that was the, the first time where I got excited about, well, not the first time I got excited about creating content, but like the first time in a very long stretch where I was like, all right, you know, this could be fun actually. And mm -hmm. I, I remember it, like our meeting that we had with, uh, I think his name was Jose. I think that was who we met with. And mm -hmm. like we, I think we presented ourselves really well. And I think we impressed him uh, with kind of our ideas that we had. Half past zero was one of the ideas that we pitched to him, which is another, what I've, you know, I've grown it into this podcast. At the time, it was a 30 second podcast. And we quickly realized how difficult that was. <laughs> how to inefficient do. it was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, all right, you could ask like a 10 second question and get barely an answer out of somebody before <laughs> it was time to end the video. But, oh my God, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and I mean, Half Past Zero is what uh, let us reach out to people like Alan Maxson, too. So I think, yeah. I think Firework really was kind of when we started to go down the right path. And I remember yeah. we thought like a long time about whether we wanted to sign a contract with a brand like that. Mm -hmm. like, it, it really, it so really was like a good slingshot back into our filming thing. It was. That's because we were filming like a new video every week. That's yeah. something we don't even do now. Like even when, even yeah. after the siren head thing, we film like a new video every two weeks for maybe three months. And then, yeah, you know, now we, we go on hiatuses <laughs> for a long time to recharge. But. I mean, we also had like, like an actual set and like we had uh, mics and everything. Oh my God. Yeah. We, we, we were, we were peaking. That was when we decided to finally invest in play glow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I say this every time a serious conversation about play glow comes up. So you've probably heard this a million and a half times by now. But Playglow for me, and you know, my experience with Playglow in my eyes has made me a better creator and a better person. It's certainly given me more friends and more people that I, I care about than I'd ever imagined I'd have, especially at this point in my life. How do you feel about that? Is that a, a feeling that you can relate to? Like I said, I've definitely 
improved a little bit on stuff like acting. I've improved a lot of my art. Uh, uh, I've definitely improved in terms of like writing and like what what works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah, I just a lot of personal improvements on myself over the years, and Plego was definitely like a big help to that because it was it was very experimental. Um, I did I have fluctuated between people that I knew being people that I'm close friends with now, mm-hmm. and uh, as like you said like there's new people in and out basically every year and like people come and go as friends and like some of them stay but some of them don't and uh that's that's something that i've noticed a lot just like new people yeah just people who i who i knew their names becoming people who i'm like oh okay i can just i can have a full conversation with them as a good friend yeah that's what i think that's like the reason that I still like Playglow so much, like, obviously I like making content and stuff, but that's not really something we do consistently just because all of our schedules don't line up this year alone, like 2021, I'm not counting like the end of last year. I can like think of at least four people who I didn't really even know until recently that I'm like really good friends with because of, you know, us having the Playglow office, obviously. And, Mm -hmm. and they, they were able to kind of gauge who we were as people because of our content and everything. And I think that helped us out a little bit in oh, some yeah. regards, but like, yeah, I've, I've made more friends and just more connections with people through play globe than I think I would have ever done doing anything else. And mm-hmm. the thing is like, even like you mentioned, there's people that like come and go, but like even the people that come and go, there are very few, like I can really only think of, of maybe one or two people who have been in play glow that I don't really like, I'm not on friendly terms with, like, I can't mm-hmm. message them and just like, check up on them. There's only one or two yeah. people that won't message me back. When you think about how many people have been in Playglobe, that's a pretty good ratio. So the way that you work within Playglobe is a bit different than the way I work. We've kind of already touched on this, but you've consistently worked on our graphics. You planned out most of the skit content that we did, like Wilderness Man. Uh, you you wrote the story for Postmortem Dialogue, which is still probably my favorite piece did of I? content we've done. You did. You wrote the story. I wrote the screenplay, but you wrote... I just... I adapted the screenplay from the story that you wrote out for me. Cool. And, you know, that's probably still my favorite piece of content that we've done. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with my creative process, obviously, but I got to say, I'm not too confident about what yours looks like. Uh, so you have a system creatively that works for you, a process, a routine that you go through to be productive creatively. What I do most of the time is just if I find the only... Cause like for me writing and like storytelling, it's all, I don't actually write down scripts or anything. I just come up with concepts and then I draw them down and then I draw every bit of it I can until like I see an actual very rough blueprint of a story within like just a mishmash of drawings. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a lot of it just comes from me just listening to music. And if, and then within that music, I'll like, envision a story within that and if it ties into what i'm writing or some other story that i've had then i i will save that song and then i'll come back to it and then like i just i just do that over and over again and or or sometimes i'll just listen to music and then i'll draw and then it'll be the exact same thing except at this time i'm just drawing as i'm listening to the music 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 helps tends to help me a lot whenever just i'm, I'm drawing or wanting to do anything storytelling wise um, but I'm really bad about actually writing down stuff. I've always just preferred 
sketching them out to actually visualize it better. Yeah. I wish that I could have like just a little bit of artistic ability because there's been so many times where I've been kind of like, cause you know, I write a lot, obviously that's, that's how I do my creative stuff is I will write all of it down. And like, I don't like to just write it down to remember. I like to write it out in detail and kind of be able to picture it exactly how I picture it in that moment. So I can come back to it for some reason. That's really hard for me. And there's been so many times where I've been wanting, where I've been stuck on like how to detail something. And I've been like, if I can just draw it out, then I could, that would be perfect. But I I can't do that. So I envy Mm -hmm. you in that regard. Drawing itself. uh, I think a lot of people make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. I started out just shittily drawing and then would just constant just draw over and over again until it looked better and I used tons of references. It's not as hard as a lot of people give it credit for. It would be very hard for me, I promise you. I'm such a perfectionist <laughs> that if it didn't work out the first time, I would just never come back to it. So as you mentioned earlier, you're planning on going to college here soon. Uh, what is it that you're wanting to do again? I'm wanting to go into a generalized category for animation, just just animation itself and art. Yeah, I thought I knew it was something along those lines, but I can never remember exactly what it is that you want to do. So mm-hmm. you're planning on going to college here soon. Is there anything that you hope to achieve through Playglow specifically before you take that leap? I definitely do want to do a lot more filming, do a lot more acting. It's always fun. It's always fun to act in Playglow because we're just, most of the time, we're just having fun with it. And uh, I would love to do that more and like have more sit down sessions and write. Those are, those are always fun. Like how we talked about earlier with me, you, Hayden, and Colton. That was such a fun night. And uh, those, they, they normally always are because like we're actually using our noggins, creating something while also just being friends and just sitting down, having fun, talking to each other. All right. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Stefan. As always, it's fun for me to have these conversations, even if we've talked the general conversation a million times before. I always find out something new, you know, some new perspective or story. Thank you to those listening at home. This has been Half Past Zero with guest Stefan Gramling. I'm your host, Noah Gregory, and I will be back next week with a new episode.